Good morning, Journey. Go ahead and stand up and join us. We're going to start out singing our last couple Christmas carols before we start the new year. If you're still suffering from a Christmas hangover, not the drinking kind, just, you know, the celebrating kind. A lot of people are tired, and we got a lot going on going into this new year, but we just want to take a second to pray. Um, a lot of needs going on in our church. Constantly, we're being told of people going in for different 
simple things, thinking that it's just a, it's something small and finding out it's something a lot more significant, a lot more difficult. Um, and in a season like this, going into the new year, I think also it's time that just reflects on, on people we love, people lost, things that have, uh, that have been a, a lot of, you know, struggle maybe through the last year. And I want to just take a second to pray over some of these things. I think it's so easy to lose perspective. Uh, as we go into the new year, it becomes again about us. And it's what do I need to fix and what do I need to do? And I, I got to start my New Year's resolution. And I'm going to lose 20 pounds or I'm going to, you know, go to the gym. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And really, I feel like God's like, ah, no, this isn't a, the, the church is not a self-help program. The church is actually a place where you just come to meet Jesus and he starts to transform your life. And this morning, he wants to engage with us. And I think that's the beautiful thing that we have to offer is we get to just show up as we are. Before your New Year's resolutions begin, before you've got it all figured out, before, you're, before your behavior matches what you think the expectations are, God just says, come to me. If you're weary or heavy laden, I will give you rest. And so this morning, if you've got needs, if you've got things going on in your life, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to pray out loud because I have the microphone, but you can pray as well. And, it, and this is something you can pray in your heart. You can pray out loud in, in just softly, quietly where you are in your seat. Um, but we're just going to pray because I believe God um, is invested. I believe God has proven time and time again through his son that he is, that he is in love with his children, that he desires uh, to just show up. A good dad always wants to show up and fix and help and be a part. And I think God has put that inside of us. The desire to be that comes from his character. And we have so much to be grateful for. So we're just going to take a moment and pray. If you've got nothing, then maybe just lift up somebody else or just start to thank him for the things he's already doing, the things he's already done in your life, the things he's already taken care of. And let's just begin uh, with just a moment of inviting him in. Why don't you just close your eyes with me? We're going to pray real quick. God, I thank you this morning that we have the opportunity uh, to start a new year, that we woke up with breath in our lungs. Good, bad, or indifferent, Father, we, this moment, this day is a gift. We're breathing, which shows that we have, that there is a purpose that you have not yet completed in, in each of our lives. I pray that this morning would be a moment where we just reflect, not on us and our performance and our good and our bad and all these things, but we would reflect on your faithfulness, God. That we would reflect on who you are in our lives. That it would draw us into deeper intimacy, deeper worship. That we would just recognize you for who you are and see your fingerprints all over our past year in order to invite you into our next. God, we pray for the needs of our, our family. Pray that you would just show yourself present in these places, in these moments, in these difficulties. Pray that you would be glorified by our worship. In your name we pray, amen.
y'all take a seat. Take a seat. My name is Randall. I'm just a volunteer that goes here to Journey Church. Uh, and I have the opportunity this morning to talk to you guys about tithe a little bit. As we kind of wrap up 2018 and get ready for 2019, I think it's in a natural place where whether or not you actually make resolutions, you probably think about resolutions. And uh, I appreciate Journey always asking me to do tithe around holidays because it makes it really easy for me to come up with these messages. But uh, in my career, I've had the opportunity to interview thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Um, and one of the things that we talk about a lot is if you want to anticipate somebody's future behaviors, then you need to look at their past behaviors. So if we want to know what somebody's going to be like moving forward, we should look for evidence of that in their past. And I think that's really applicable when you think about tithe and as we think about this new year, because the interesting thing about our past behaviors is that every single current behavior we do quickly becomes a past behavior. So if I'm of the mindset that I want to become a more generous person, I can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow's too late. I've got to start being generous today so that my past behaviors are full of generous moments so that I know for sure I will become a generous person moving into the future. And I think as you guys are thinking about what does 2019 look for me? What, what's this year gonna hold for me? Some of you might be in places of financial security, financial uh, abundance and bountifulness. And some of you might be struggling really difficulty, difficultly in the financial department. But I think it's important to think about the idea that if we have this vision for one day being able to tithe, one day being able to live generously, you might as well start today because you're going to build the habits of creating a dependence that's based on God and not on your money, not on yourself, that will allow you to fully live out that vision for yourself. So uh, again, your current giving behavior is going to be your past giving behavior, which is really indicative of what your future giving behavior is going to be like. So if you're new at Journey, we're not asking that you're giving today. We actually 
do all this just for you. So welcome. We're glad that you're here. Um, please don't feel like you need to pay rent by putting a dollar in the bucket or anything like that. We're not asking for, for new people um, to necessarily give right now. If you feel called to, that's fine, but don't feel obligated at all. Um, but this is more for those of us who are calling Journey Home. want to encourage you um, to be thinking about what does your financial preparedness look like as we move into 2019. So there's multiple ways to give. You can go online. And there's a link online that you just click, and there's different ways and you know areas of the church that you can donate to. You can give in person, which is what we're going to do in just a moment. I'm going to walk around. You can just put your money right in my pockets. So it's fine. Or you can give through your mobile app. So if you just text GIVE to 661-441-3511, that's the way my wife and I give, uh, super easy. And they text you uh, receipts every single month, every time your donation goes through. So that's really, really awesome. But uh, today, as the ushers come forward to give here in person, I'm going to say a quick prayer over the tithe today, if you'd bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just a time of reflection and a time where we can refocus our lives, where the physical, you know, turning over of the calendar page puts us in a place where mentally and emotionally we're refocusing on what's most important and what we want to be centered around for the upcoming year. I'd ask that you would touch each person in this auditorium, each person here today, and just put your hand on them and, and, and bless them in ways to let them know that you will be with them going into 2019. And I ask that you would bless them when it comes to their preparedness from a financial standpoint. And if they want to live generously, that they feel called to, that they would be encouraged to by your hand. I ask that you bless the donations that are given today. The tithe that we collect, let us use it wisely and for your purpose. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I've also got some announcements for you this morning. Just got three quick announcements. The very first one is about marriage retreat coming up. Anybody here married? Anyone? I think we have some like really new married folks sitting over here, so congratulations. And also, marriage retreat is coming up. Uh, deposits, though, are due by the end of this week, so you have seven days to get your deposit in for marriage retreat. We need about 40 couples to sign up, um, and if you want to make your deposit, simply go on your phone to abjourney.com. You're going to click on the giving link and then you'll choose event registration. It's $100 to reserve your spot, March 22nd to the 24th. I've heard some really good things. I think it's gonna be a time of, of growing together and a time of restoration um, for those couples. And Dave said earlier, we just need to see your marriage certificate to verify you're real, you're actually committed. Just kidding, that's fine. All right, so get signed up, get your deposits in for marriage retreat. Next thing. Have you guys heard about this thing we do called The Crash? A couple people have. So this is our youth program. It's for kids who are seventh to 12th grade, but we actually need some volunteers to help serve at The Crash. So if you're somebody who's been sitting around saying, man, every time I go to Journey, I wanna get involved, but there's always people at the doors and there's always ushers and somebody's always on stage. I don't know how to help. We need support, we need more help here at The Crash. So if you are interested in joining that team, please go online, just scroll all the way down to the bottom of the website. There's a little link that says, get connected, tell us about yourself, put your name, your email address, and just something about joining The Crash in there, and we'll have Chase reach out to you. But we would love to have some more support on Thursday nights with those kids. Um, we are serving 
maybe 100 to 150 kids every single Thursday night, reaching them with the Lord, with the uh, Word of God. So we'd love y'all to be a part of that if you're interested. Finally, a really exciting event, brand new to the Antelope Valley. We are doing Night to Shine. So we're partnering with First Assembly of Lancaster and Tim Tebow's Foundation. Anybody a Tim Tebow fan? Is he relevant still? So Tim Tebow is coming. He's not coming. Well, he might come here. I don't know. Um, but Night to Shine is an event. It's an event for special needs, um, young adults and adults, where basically they have a night to be celebrated, where they can feel like kings and queens, and they go to their very own prom. And we're trying to have an amazing night here in the Antelope Valley for that community. Um, we need volunteers for it. It's a little bit of a process. You do have to get a background check, but all of that is done online through the registration. So avjourney.com, click on Night to Shine. You'll get all the information you need there. It's gonna be an incredible event. How do you know that, Randall? You might be wondering. Well, I got a sneak peek at this video that you're about to watch right now. So let's roll that video real quick. We are all kings and queens, absolutely. Well, I hope that you're gonna be queen of the dance floor tonight.
So it's going to be an incredible night. I know Allison of our church has been working really hard in planning this event, um, but we will need support the day of. So if you're interested in being there, being a part of it, please get signed up sooner rather than later. Uh, that's all I've got for you today. If you guys want to, stand up, say hello to somebody around you as Pastor Dave comes up to prepare for our message. are here today. How do you follow something like that? I mean, that is powerful. I am so excited that Journey Church has decided to once again uh, partner with others in the community to recognize a group of individuals who are often overlooked, often uh, forgotten about. And one of the things that we do at Journey is we look at the fact that none of us have it all together and none of us have like uh, our pr a perfect life, but all of us are loved deeply. And sometimes we need to be reminded and so we just want to remind this group of people that we love you, we see you, and we want to give them an amazing night. So I hope you'll be a part of that. We're excited about this coming year. Um, today is the last service we'll be together in 2018. I know it's hard to believe that this year has come and gone. I was just running to somebody earlier and saying, man, can you believe how fast this year has gone? I'm like, well, I spent a third of it in a coma. But yeah, it's, it's gone pretty quickly. Um, it's been a very interesting year for some of you. You are so sad to see it go for the rest of us It's like sayonara. I'm looking forward to the next one. So I'm excited about the new season excited about 2019 and um, As Tony told me earlier you can't get any worse than last year or can't any be any worse So I'm, I'm this is gonna be an amazing year and to be honest um, Tyler was saying in the early morning prayer time this morning that one of the words that we have is expectancy I'm expecting some great things. I hope you are. I hope you're looking forward to this year being something really exciting. And I want to share with you this morning some of the things that have been just kind of going around in my head. I've been uh, wrestling with the, the way to approach this new year for, for weeks and weeks. Because typically what I do, as like some of you do, I evaluate. I can't help myself. It's just the way I am. I evaluate um, my life continually and I do that either in some written way or some personal way where I do times of reflection and particularly at the beginning of a new year I look at the previous year and I try to figure out what were the highlights what were the things that tripped me up where did I do well and where do I need to make progress and don't know about you but for me I've always had some form of and, and I, I kind of hate to even admit it but I've always had some form of bettering myself plan. You can call them resolutions, you can call them all these other things, and um, the fact is, we've all probably had some way of looking at our year that we're like, I wanna do some things differently. I mean, at least I hope you have. I hope you have some way of looking at yourself and saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to change, and maybe it's by talking to your wife or your husband, <laughs> and they're saying, yeah, you really need to think about that. Do something different than you've done before. And probably some of you have looked at it in this way before I don't really want to look at it that way because I just am reminded of my failures from last year 
So if I have to, if I'm evaluating things, it just kind of brings up the past and what I haven't done well so far. So how many of you know people in your life that have had the same four or five resolutions for the last lifetime? I mean, it's like forever. You've had the same ones. And, and where do they typically fall? Lose weight. I was reading statistics last night. Number one in most people's book, lose weight. Okay, I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to knock off the sweets. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to eat healthier. Um, and that's followed by other ones, something like uh, I'm going to spend less money. I'm going to save more and do better financially. Um, I'm going to put my family first. I'm going to quit making job and work and these things, top priority. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus more on my relationships. I'm going to drop a bad habit. I'm going to start a new one. Trouble is, turns out most of us are not very good at keeping our resolutions. I was reading an article um, Forbes magazine put out. It's talking about resolutions, and it said that 40 to 50% of us will make some form of pledge or a decision, some kind of mental at least commitment that I want to do better this year. About half of us will somehow put in place uh, like a little plan or list that we want these, these things to be different about this year. But the challenge is, here's the struggle. 98% of the people surveyed who have made resolutions over the last number of years, 98% said they failed. I mean, I mean, you think about that, that is literally two, I'm sorry, 92%, that means eight out of 100, eight people out of 100 are the only ones that felt like their year was successful as it comes to their resolutions. So I'm like, that's terrible. If 92% of us are losers, I mean, why even try? Kind of, I mean, isn't that kind of a feeling we get? I mean, it's like, <laughs> if those are statistics, I mean, why even try? Well, so forget the statistics. You're the, you're the exception. You're the 8%, right? You showed up at church between Christmas and New Year's. You are definitely special. There's something amazing about you. And I see promise in you. So let me just tell you, um, I, want pro I want to make positive changes in my life. And I want you to make positive changes in your life. And you don't have to do it first of the year. You can do it whenever you feel like it. But... But I do think it's a good time to start just kind of assessing some things about our lives. And rather than give you a whole pack of go do these things this year, here's a whole list of new commitments to add to your commitments that you failed last year so we can feel worse about yourself. I want to do something a little different. I want to I take a single <clears throat> new life resolution from the scriptures. New, not a new year's, but a new life. <clears throat> because I want you to find this year something brand new in you. I, I want you to be transformed in a way that maybe you haven't in past years. And one of the reasons th I was reading about, people don't feel like they've made progress. It's often because they've overcomplicated their practices and tried to do too many things at once. They try to bite off all these new things. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to grow hair. I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to do all these things, and I'm going to do them all by next Sunday. You know, I'm, I'm literally, that's why the gyms are packed. The diet centers are, like, making billions. All these things happen in the first few weeks into the first couple months. But I want to just focus on one thing, a new life resolution that I, I find from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3. And I want to give you this to think about as you consider making changes in your life this year. <clears throat> what we find is Paul, if you do the little research on him, Paul was a classic overachiever. I mean, from the time he started, if you read about his history, you read about his lineage, you read about where he comes from, the place he lived. I mean, he started off in grade school, grammar school, all the way through as the top of his class. He was just 
absolutely brilliant. He was smart from the beginning. He had all the promise, but he coupled that with really, really hard work, and the guy literally rose above everybody else around him. He was chosen for one of the most exclusive religious institutions to become a spiritual leader of his generation, a Pharisee, one of the elite of the spiritual movement in the Jewish world. And he was chosen for that because of his incredible brilliance, his attention to the scriptures, his memorization, and his way of approaching everything with incredible passion and zeal. He was just an exceptional guy. And you think about it, it's a good thing he was because once that was transformed by God, he was literally the guy who impacted more people than just about anybody besides Jesus himself. Literally millions, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people's lives have been positively impacted, transformed even, by what this guy experienced and recorded for us in Scripture. Paul was so powerfully transformed that it literally, for those who follow in his footsteps, it's transformational for us as well. And what Paul did is he left a record of some of his greatest insights about this huge transformation midlife, how it redirected his entire life, and what became the focus, the, the central metaphor for his whole life was this one thing. The central concept, the central resolution of his whole life is found in this recording. So I want to go over that today, and we're going to read quite a bit. It's from Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> Paul says, we rely on what Jesus, or Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Now, you've got to stop just there and say, wait a minute, what happened? Because as we mentioned, he started off with the absolute epitome of human effort. In the Jewish faith at that time, it was what you did that determined who you were. It's what you accomplished. It's how much you kept the, the commandments, the laws, the you, you followed the words, you memorized them, you proclaimed them, you put them all over your home. You literally adorned yourself in the attire of the religious movement. He was so much ahead of everybody else. He put all of his eggs in this basket. He was going to work hard to grow himself spiritually and become favorable to God. He wanted God's love. He wanted God's favor. He wanted God's blessing. And the way he felt he had to do it was by being religious, as religious, if not more so, than anybody else in his world. But now he comes to a conclusion. He says, now what we're doing is, at this point in my life, I'm relying on what Christ has done. And I'm not putting any confidence any longer in my efforts, in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anybody could. Then he tells us, I once thought that these things were valuable. But I now consider them, and you could probably read, I'm skipping a little bit because there's so much there. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I no, never, no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself, catch this. You've got to understand. Don't let this just be words passing through your ears. God's way of making us right with himself depends on 
faith. This was the thing that shifted gears. This was the thing that turned him upside down and inside out. This was the thing that literally transformed his entire life. I have discovered the way to make God happy, the way to honor God, the way to excel spiritually, the way to transform your absolute entire life is by knowing Christ. He goes on. This is his goal. He repeats it again. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. If you want to get anything right, if I've done anything that's worthy of being followed. I mean, this is like every parent's like nightmare. Like, don't do what I've done. Do what I say, right? But, but he's literally saying, if you've seen anything of value in my life, Follow me and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you once before or often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about the life here, this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we're eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior, he will take our mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Paul's, verse 10, Paul's number one thing, Paul's life transformation, Paul's metaphor for living was this, I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. Top priority, nothing else. I want to know Christ. Everything else pales. This was Paul's new life resolution. Recall what happened. See, as Saul was his former name, and Saul was on his way to gather a gathering of Christians, a group of Christians who were known to be following Jesus, the one that they had already crucified, just a short time before. He was gathering, he was going city to city with the power and authority of the religious leaders, he was gathering up the Christians, the remainder of those people who followed Jesus. They were throwing them in prison, and then they were trying them against the, the laws of the Old Testament that considered Yahweh the only God. And if this Jesus was considered God and you claim him to be God, you forfeit your life. That's blasphemy. Because, of course, these religious leaders rejected Jesus. They rejected his divinity. But the people embraced him. So Paul, Saul at the time, was going city to city, gathering up these people, taking them and throwing them in prison, putting them on trial, and the end of their trials were executions. And so we don't know how many of these people had already been executed. We know Stephen, for sure, was one recorded in the book of Acts, was one of the great saints of the church, was taken and stoned to death while Saul stood there approving of this death brutal, ugly, horrible thing that he, how could a religious person say, that's a great idea, let's do that. Let's throw rocks at this guy in this pit here until he's dead. This was Saul. 
And then on his way to Damascus, on his way to gather more of these believers, on his way to put more people in prison and bring them to death, Saul was given a once-of-a-lifetime opportunity. He was knocked on his rear, the light shined down from heaven, and a voice from heaven said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? And he goes, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And then Jesus gave him instructions. Saul was so taken by that. Some exchange, something took place in his experience with Jesus. His initial experience with Jesus was so powerful that he literally abandoned his work, what he was doing. He went into the city. He gathered with the followers of Jesus and began to learn about the life and transformation that had taken place because of Jesus. He literally was turned inside out, upside down. This guy who was Saul the persecutor became Paul the apostle. And his life was so transformed. And he's telling us the secret, what he discovered that absolutely changed everything for him. This guy who had it all. You can read the other passages in this text to find out what he was saying. He had it all. And this is his priority. He goes, I want to know Christ. That's my one resolution. Can I suggest that all the things that make our lives about that we pursue, this one new life resolution could give you more traction than anything else that you're pursuing. It could give you more, absolutely more insight than anything else you're reading, anything else you're studying, anything else you're after. Here's why. Because when you pursue a relationship with your maker, when you align yourself and you open your eyes and ears to be in pursuit of his plans, his purposes, when you ask him to reveal himself to you and you begin pursuing that connection, you discover you were made with a purpose. You were made and designed with something very specific in mind. You, you have gifts and abilities that he will reveal to you. He will help you discover. He wants to let you know that you, not only who you are, but what you were made to do as he lays this path before you. It gives you the most important aspects of your life in bits and pieces as we begin to put our trust in him. Everything else falls into place because when you align yourself with your maker, guess what? You get all the stuff that he's promised his followers. The greatest question in life can only be answered by the author of life. And if you're pursuing it somewhere else, you're always going to come up with the wrong answer. And that's why Jesus was the one who told Saul, hey, you follow me. You follow me. See what happens. Saul did this. He made a decision to follow Jesus, and it transformed everything in his life, and everything else fell at the feet of Jesus around him. He's like, man, nothing else matters. Not my pedigree, not my earnings, not my income, not my, my vacation home, not any of those things that people would give me credit for matter anymore. I want to know the author of life. I want to know why I'm here. And once I know those things, then I begin to know all these other things fall into place. So for 2019, I invite you to make this number one pursuit of your life, just like Paul's greatest pursuit, that you know Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That's my heart for you. As I look back at my last year, <clears throat> man, it was a complicated year. Some crazy stuff with that sickness and all the stuff that went on through that time. I felt like, my goodness, my days might be over and I wasn't content with the years that I'd spent, with all the things that I'd done. And one of the things that came away, I came away from this with is I don't have enough energy anymore to pursue 50 things. Um, one of the resolutions I'd had years ago as I look back over mine was like, you know, to reach a certain numeric, you know, value if, of our attendance and finances and all these things, get a certain number. And, and folks, I've, I've just got to be honest, I've, I've really packed those up and put those away. 
The things that matter most to me are, do you really get it? Do you get it? Like Paul said, there's so many people that were influenced by his, his writings, <clears throat> and he said, I want you to get this, and I come to you with tears in my eyes to tell you, there's nothing more important than this, because some of you have abandoned the things that matter most and are eternal for things that are temporary and are going to be blown away. And I'm going to tell you what I think of them, he says, I consider them dung. They're poop. I mean, can you say that in church? He did. He wrote it in the Bible. He says, I consider them rubbish, trash, dung. They're poop compared to knowing Jesus Christ. This became Paul's number one goal. I'm going to pursue Christ, and I'm going to put everything else out with the trash. I'm just not going to worry about it. I, I mean, it's not that your health doesn't matter. I've got to, I've got to keep a real careful eye on what I'm eating. I've got, to, I've got to watch some of those things that I'm doing. I've got to exercise and, and keep myself fit. But, but that's not my greatest priority. That's just one of the disciplines I'm putting in place because I want my life to, live, to last long enough to experience some of this. But my number one priority and the one thing I'm calling, I, I just want to know Jesus. I want to I get it more than I've ever got it before. And I know I'm a pastor. I, I probably know most of everything, right? No. I'm just, I'm just one of those guys that's like, I know a bit, but I don't know enough. My, I'm not careful enough about who I am. I'm not transformed in the ways and all the ways that I want to be. I still see so much garbage in my own life, and I'm like, I want to know him. And I, I think that's interesting. He said, I want to know Christ. He didn't say, I want to know church or world history or religion. I want to know even Christianity. He goes, I want to know the man. I, I want to know Jesus himself. I want to be connected to him so personally that it's like we have this face-to-face -face relationship. We have this intimate, I know what you're thinking about me kind of thing. I, I get it. Even to the point of rising from the dead one day, I want to be that much like Jesus that he raises me. From, I experienced re resurrection like he did at the believer's resurrection. And Jesus was the one that planted these words in all of us when he told us in Matthew 6.33, and we'll come back to this over the next few weeks, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these other things will be added. All these things. And those things, if you read Matthew 6, it's all the food and the clothing and, and the housing and all those basic needs and necessities that we have in life. He said, your father loves you. He's crazy about you. He wants to pour gifts. He wants, to, he wants you to ask him for these things. But, but make your pursuit first God in his kingdom. And I, and I just want to tell you that, man, you're here. Which tells me something about you already. It's like, man, you, you've, got, you've got a good, I mean, first few steps into this coming season. It's like you've made a, a commitment, a pledge. You've, you've got up. You've got ready. A lot of people didn't, and you're, and you're here. Let me just tell you that that tells me something about your heart. Either you're in pursuit of something. You want a life that is honoring to God, and you want to get priorities in, in your life straight around the things that matter most. Um, or somebody brought you here, and you can't wait to get away. But whichever it is, whatever it is, I'm just telling you, I believe God has a purpose for you here today. And I believe you may, even though you don't know it, I believe you may be the one that was really destined to hear this today. And that your life can be radically transformed in 2019 because you're going to make one thing a pursuit like you've never before. And that is, you're going to try to come to know Jesus. You're going to break open the ancient text, and you're going to read everything he said and things that were wrote about him, written about him. And you're going to read about this man who literally split human history. We just celebrated Christmas, and without, I just want to tell you, without Jesus, 
There's no Christmas. There's no two weeks, three weeks off for all you people who get the time off. There just isn't. Without Jesus, we'd have to make up another holiday like some of the other ones. It's because he's the only reason. He split human history in half. 80, you know, B.C., we, we talk about this thing, that this Jesus was the one who literally stopped human history, turned the clock backwards. He's taking us on a, a brand new path towards God. And, and you need to know more about him. You need to understand what he wants from you. You need to understand what he calls for. You need to understand that he has actually said some things that have implications about you and your forever. And I'm excited about it because they're good. They're not all rosy because our condition is bleak, but it is powerful because his power is great. And he can transform anybody. So if, if you think about it, think about reading this passage alone. If you look into it, you'll discover this wasn't written to pastors. This wasn't written to super Christians. It wasn't written to the elite of the church or Christian movement. This was written to regular, everyday people in Philippi. Just people who are gathered around trying to figure out what does it mean to know God? How do we connect with an invisible maker who has, in some ways, just kind of kept himself hidden? We don't know how to connect with him. And he says, well, look at Jesus. Jesus is the whole point. He is the whole point. He's God in a body. He's put his skin and elbows on. He's like, I want you to see what I look like, what I'm like, and I want you to know my heart. And Jesus' teachings will tell us that. Jesus' stories can reveal that. Think about it. Ask yourself a couple questions. What would, 2000, what would happen in 2019 if I decided to really to really figure out who Jesus is and what he is to me. What if I made number one the priority of knowing him and really understanding his plan for my life? What would it look like this year different from last year? What needs to happen first? How do I do that? So I just want to break down a couple things that Paul did and so I can kind of give you a strategy for how to approach this whole thing. How do, how do we know Jesus? So in this passage, Paul begins by just kind of talking about a few things. First thing is he's realistic about his humanity. He's just straight up. He's like, hey, listen, I used to put confidence in my own abilities. I can't anymore. He, he, he just tells us up front, verse 4, we put no confidence in human effort. Verse 12, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I haven't. I haven't reached perfection. Verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I'm not all that I should be. He, he was being totally honest and real with people and his friends in Philippi saying, hey, listen, what I figured out is that I can't figure it all out. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. He spent the early part of his year trying to be perfect. The self-improvement plan, right? Like many of us are on. Get, get it together, spiritually, morally, personally, make God's cut, be good enough, and maybe, maybe you'll make God's honor roll, you'll get to heaven. Maybe you'll get the blessings of God revealed in this life as well. If God likes you enough, you, you may be wealthy. You may be prosperous. Things may go well for you. You may have peace. But he tells us that he got really, really good at being good. I mean, as good as being good as anybody he knew. He was so good, he looked around the rest of the class, and he was the top of his class. Completely, you know, like, I'm the best of the people around me. But then he discovered that even at his best, he could not run fast enough to get away from the guilt and shame of his own humanity. He couldn't escape his own temptations. He wasn't the guy who could be perfect in his own strength. He needed more. 
He discovered the only way to meet God's requirements is for perfection. And he realized that we all come up short. There's no way possible. Read Romans. There's no way possible for us to meet God's perfect requirements. We've already screwed up. If you're breathing, you've sinned. And that's a problem. That's a problem. That's why he said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. None of us are righteous. Not one of us. But God has laid on him the sin of us all. That's when he discovered that putting our faith in what Jesus has done, his life, death, burial, resurrection, trusting what he accomplished when nobody else could, his perfection, his absolute, to the letter of the law, perfection in all things. That he died on behalf of us and he raised on behalf of us, that he unleashes his spirit to live in us, that this is the only way to God. This is the only way to be right with God. And he's saying, I've messed up. I've stumbled in many ways. And he's honest about it. I haven't arrived. And I've given up trying to be good enough by my own hard work. So I'm going to put my trust in Jesus and what he did because he's the only one that could accomplish it. He even tried to compare himself with other people in his past. and He felt pretty good about it. And he looked good on the, if God graded on a curve. He looked good. I don't know about you, but in school, when I was in junior high particularly, um, I would have a tendency to come into class a little unprepared, okay, totally unprepared for the test. I'd sit down at my class and I would go ahead and take my, because I felt like, hey, I'm at least average intelligence. And so all I got to do is be pretty much like everybody else and I'm good. And if I'm a little bit better, I win. Because I'm a little, and so what I would do is I'd sit down and, and when you take your test, you know, and, and then they give you these test scores and they got that red marker with the big circle around it. Some of those, every now and then I'd get one that say something like 66 and immediately out of 100, 66. So I would immediately do one thing. I'd look at my friends and see what they got. And if they got a 45 or a 55 or something like that, I was top of the, I was valedictorian that day. I was like... <laughs> Amen, brothers and sisters. Look at my, you know, 60s. And that's horrible. But so many of us, we live the same. And if we feel badly about ourselves, we just look for somebody else who's worse. And it's like, oh, man, I'm doing better. <laughs> I'm a good Christian. Look at him. I haven't done any of that stupid stuff. My stuff was stupid, but not that stupid. And we kind of grade on a curve, and God never grades on a curve. He says every sin will be punished, and everyone will stand before God and be judged against the perfect law and our works and our behaviors will be weighed against the perfection that God requires of us. And it says none of us are righteous. We can't come through it on our own. We need a stand between. We need a go between. We need somebody who actually does the things we were short on and gives us the credit. That's what Jesus did. He did all the things you couldn't do. He fulfilled all the things God requires. And then he offers credit to you. It's the great life swap. And Paul is saying, this is the only way I can get credit for anything anymore is if I just throw myself at his feet and say, God, forgive me. I have nothing to offer. Please dispense your grace to me. Give me give, I, it's undeserved, but thank you. You've offered to give me credit for your righteous deeds. I receive it. God, I've made horrible mistakes, but now my priority is this, not to try and make you like me, but to abandon that, to just know you, to just know you. Only on receiving Christ, only on that, in that way can we know him. And the, the Paul goes on, he goes, not only is that I want to just kind of be honest about myself, I want to also be forgetful about my past. 
I forget what lies behind. Some of you, you need this so badly. You need to learn how to be forgetful about your past. And it's not just pretending you didn't do stuff. It's getting it covered and paid for. It's not like, hey, you've got a bill that you, you owe Visa so much money, you couldn't pay for it in a lifetime, in 10 lifetimes. This is how big the debt is of sin that's on most of our lives. We could not do enough good works to counterbalance, and it doesn't work that way. One sin is enough. You're separated. You're disconnected. You're apart from God. According to Scripture, you need some way of coming back to him that you don't possess. It has to come from some outside source. Jesus offered to be that. And Paul says, so what I have to do is I, I just give my, all my junk to you, all my past. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me from the results of all of that as well as the future judgment for that. I ask you for grace, for mercy. He would participated in all this, you know, arrest, conviction, murder of Christ followers. He'd done these horrible things and stood there and supported all these awful things that people were doing, the genocide of Jesus followers. And Paul said, only because God's grace, he's able to put that behind him. How do you do that? I, I've met people who've accidentally been responsible for an accident that took somebody's life. And they live with that over and over and over in their minds. I've met people that have made decisions that have ruined somebody else's experience or caused some great pain or done some great damage either to their kids or a spouse or an ex or something of that nature. And it's like, how do you get over that? But Paul's saying, I put no hope in anything I can do now to fix the broken things of my life. I put all my hope in Jesus and his offer of help. With God's help, he moved beyond guilt, beyond shame, beyond his past, beyond all of those nightmares he created, and he was able to bring a whole new person out of the ashes. And, and I get this. Some of you are saying this, well, how do, I, how do I make a resolution to really know Jesus? How do I do that? How do I move beyond my past? Because for some of you, you've got to be honest. You owe a debt, and you can't run away from the debt. It's to the IRS, and they don't forgive. It's something you create in a relationship and another person doesn't get over it. They just can't forget what you've done. There are some things in life you can't, unfinished business that you can and should pursue as God enables you and, and brings it to your mind. You just do the things he prompts you to do when he prompts you to do it, to call that person, to make some restitution the best you can, make an apology, go offer to, to reconcile in some way, do what you can on your part to be at peace with all men, Paul says. And then you trust God. And then you trust God. In the meantime, confess your failures to God. Now, I've had two cars. In the AV, we get that hot and cold extremes. And so I've had two cars that while I'm driving, I'm looking at the mirror and they just dropped off. Right, My rearview mirror just fell off on the floor. And it just was hysterical at first. It's just like I'm looking and I'm gone. You know, there, it's, it's just gone. And then it hit me. That is actually one of the best things that we could, best analogy of what we could. Quit looking in the rearview mirror. Jesus wants to come and just knock it right off. So you, don't, you quit looking at what's behind you. You quit looking at what's pursuing. You quit looking at what you've done, the things that you felt like you failed. And you, just, you literally need to knock that rearview mirror off and just say, God, I'm trusting you going forward. I can't live going backwards. I can't live looking backwards. I can't continue to be successful and happy and fulfilled when I'm haunted by the past. So I'm looking forward. Confess your failures to God. Ask his forgiveness. Stop looking back. Third, he was single-minded about his present. This one thing I do, I focus on this one thing. Not I dabble in 40 things, but I focus on this one thing. 
forgetting what's behind me, the past, but looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on. I'm pressing on to reach that connection, that the end of the race, that prize that Jesus has set before me. Now, I could talk about 20 things that you need to work on to give you 20 resolutions, but the real change takes place from the inside out, not from the outside in. So many of us are focused on changing our outsides, and Jesus wants to change our insides. And this is the year. I want to know that I just want this year, church, I want you and I to commit to knowing him. I want to focus on this one thing. I want to focus on knowing Jesus and discovering the life that he has for me. Because like Saul, like the old Saul, the, I've spent a whole lot of my life just trying to do good and try to be good and try to get away from my stupidity and the, the run from the things I've done and ways I've hurt people and, and, and the things that I've damaged. I've tried to just do good and prove to God that I was good enough. And this is the exact thing Paul said he had to stop doing if he was ever going to actually please God. He had to trust Jesus' work was good enough and stop trusting his own work. And that's something I'm working on this year. I'm just going to learn to trust what Jesus did and stop trying to make everybody else happy. Try, stop trying to make everybody else feel good about it. I just need to pursue him because in doing that, he sets the other things right. And the final thing is Paul was clear-minded about his future. I strain. I put effort in. I, I make my passion this to pursue that thing that he's called me to. Knowing Jesus and pursuing his plan. That's it. That's it. I just want to wrap up with a, a couple things. This next several weeks, we're going to break down what it looks like because we're going into our January fast. The first thing we do at each year for the last five, six years, maybe more, is we have committed the first month to be a year, a week of, I'm sorry, a month of prayer and fasting where we call the church together to just pour ourselves into this direction to know and pursue Christ to get our minds and hearts around the things that he wants us to value most, to pursue most, and to, to understand most. And, and so that's what we're going to be doing. Starting next Sunday, I'm going to be talking about this pursuit, how to break it down, how to get it really into us, how to, to make it part of our fiber, how to, how to come to know Jesus more, how to walk with him consistently, how, how to be transformed by this relationship. And we're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about some of the personal life that we have and the opportunities that Jesus has made available. We're going to talk about those things, but over the next couple weeks, I want you just to, I want you to begin looking. For the ne next week, if you, if you have some time, just look up fasting by any of the authors. I mean, there's some great ones. I know you probably heard of like Rick Warren, and there's some others. Maybe you've heard of um, Jensen Franklin, Stovall Reams. There's some other great books out there. The 21-Day Fast, The Daniel Plan, a lot of these kind of things. I think that would be some really good reading for you to begin picking up. And, and just begin to think about how you were going to pursue this first couple weeks of our church fast. And again, a fast is separating yourself from what you need to focus on the things that you really need. To say no to your body, to say yes to your spirit, to focus on things internal rather than give focus to the external. It's a way of breaking away from your normal patterns and routines to set brand new patterns and routines that are more important. That's what it means to seek first is that you're breaking from things that are lesser so that you can focus on things that are greater. And folks, I want transformation for you. I want this, I don't want information, I want transformation for you and me both. The goal is to absolutely be transformed.
I'm just asking that you would join me in this, in this year, making one new life resolution. I want to know Jesus like I've never known him before. I want to be made in the image. I want to be formed in his likeness. I, I want to become like him. I want to pray for you. Hey, fathers, we close. We have, we have so many times tried to do things for ourselves that ended up just kind of backfiring. There's so many years we could look at our boxes, and, and they're still unchecked. I mean, it's like a lifetime of things we wanted to do, and it's just been so hard to get them done. So today, I just pray, Lord, that you would see our hearts that, like Paul, we, we just want to give up on trying to make you like us, to make ourselves better, and we want to begin discovering the power that you offer for inner transformation that works its way out into our lives, that transformation that comes by knowing and walking in relationship with Jesus. I just pray this year would be truly transformational for the Journey family. God, as we come into the next few weeks, that we would purpose in our hearts that we would do this one thing. We would know you. That we would set ourselves into patterns and practices that would help us develop a sensitivity to your voice, a hunger for your presence, and a desire to walk in obedience to you. God, that's my prayer for this coming season. I pray that you would help each of our hearts be stirred towards the actions that Paul called us to. To focus on this one thing. To make this our highest priority. To seek first Jesus in the kingdom. I may ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, folks, it's going to be a great year. Stand with me. Let's worship together as we head out.
Be blessed. Journey, we are excited for a new year with you guys. Have a great Sunday, and we will see you next time. Come on.